Welcome to another episode of Tech Writer Voices. I'm your host, Tom Johnson. Tech Writer Voices is a podcast that really tries to explore all the latest trends, the things that are new, all the exciting things that are going on in the field of technical communication. We're online at idratherbewriting.com where you can find a full archive of over 80 different podcasts exploring a wide variety of topics. Today's podcast is a little different from other podcasts in that today is a sponsored podcast. We've done sponsored podcasts in the past, but not for a while. This podcast is sponsored by Component One, and I have the privilege of talking with Nikki Blyle. I met Nikki at a couple of conferences, and if you've been a longtime listener of the show, you will remember her from two other podcasts, did an interview at Doc Train West about Nikki's presentation on Web 2.0, and we also talked when she was running for director at large in the STC. She appeared on a podcast with some other candidates, and she is a director at large for the STC now, and she also works for Component One, the same company that makes Doc to Help. In fact, Nikki is the one who wrote the help for Doc to Help. In this podcast, we get into Doc to Help pretty in-depth. We talk about all the help outputs available. We talk about the flexibility that authors have in the way they create content, the ability to choose your authoring editor. We talk about the new ribbon-based interface that Dr. Help 2009 has. We cover team authoring in Dr. Help, including file check-in and check-out, the process for team authoring. We talk about dynamic help controls that are available. If you have a Visual Studio application, you can plug this in and have a dynamic help pane with help information appearing to the user based on the user's location in the application. We talk about a Sandcastle plugin for SDK and API writers. And we cover some other topics. Did a Web 2.0, why we like the field of technical communication, and so on. All right, if you have feedback, send it to Nikki at Nikki B, that would be B as in Blyle, at component1.com, or you can send it to me at tom at idratherbewriting.com. And if you want to find out more about Doc to Help, just go to www.doctohelp.com. All right, let's go to the interview. So, Nikki, let's get started here. Can you tell me a little bit about Dr. Help? How long has it been around in the marketplace? Five years, 10 years, two years? I'm really not even sure. Oh, okay. Well, Dr. Help has actually, it, it's actually the first help authoring tool that was ever on the market. It was, uh, it was first released in 1991. Oh, wow. So you guys have been around for 17 years. Uh, that's how long Doctor Help's been around. It was originally uh, we purchased it. Component One purchased it from a uh, from Wextech, another company, uh, in two thousand one. So uh, Doctor Help has been uh, been around for a long time, and uh, Component One has been doing development on it uh, for for since two thousand one. Okay, and tell me a little bit about what Doctor Help does. What what exactly do people use it for? Well, Doctor Help is a uh, a help authoring tool that is it's basically an all in one product for authoring and publishing, and um, it's a complete single sourcing tool. And the thing that's 
really cool about it is, uh, which you don't see in any anything else, is that you could pick the editor that you want to work in. You could work in Microsoft Word. You could, I mean, you could author your content in Microsoft Word. You could author it in an HTML editor, or you could use our built-in XHTML editor. Okay, so, but the end product that people usually create is something like a, a web help or an online help file, as well as like a printed document. Uh, yeah, actually, Doctor Help has many different outputs. There are several different online help outputs. One of them is is uh, what we call NetHelp, which is our web based output. We have uh, HTML help, which you know the familiar tripane window as an output. We have a WinHelp output, uh, Java help. We have Help 2.0, which is for integration with uh, Visual Studio.net if you're doing uh, reference documentation, and also, of course, you can you know, bottom line, produce manuals and PDFs. So for users familiar with RoboHelp or something, the NetHelp is, is similar to the, the WebHelp type output? Yes, that would be a, a, a good comparison. Yes, it's an uncompiled HTML help output. Now, I know that you are very active in the STC. You're a director, right? You're... Yes, I am. I'm a director at large. And so I imagine you've been in the help authoring community for a long time. What when did you start working for Component One, and, and what drew you there? Um, I started working for Component One two years ago, and um, I've actually been a uh, technical communicator for 14 years, and um, all, all of that in the software industry, and uh, all of that uh, creating online help and manuals and uh, job aids and all sorts of videos, all sorts of other uh, deliverables to make uh, users more successful. And what drew me to work at Component One was the fact that Doctor Help is a very well-respected and uh, popular help authoring tool. And I wanted to help, you know, use my expertise in 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 the uh, technical communication uh, space to, you know, help bring it along and work with it. And um, it's been very exciting. I've done a lot of speaking. I've done a lot of uh, uh, going to different conferences and uh, different chap- STC chapters. And um, it's it's been a lot of fun. I'm just curious, and you don't have to answer all these questions, but were you, were you using Help before you came on with Component One, or is it something that you embraced after? Uh, no, I did not use it before because the uh, different companies that I worked at simply didn't have it, and I was using whatever tool that the uh, that the company had. Yeah. In the in the uh, in the office. Yeah, I mean that's often the case is that a company has a, an endorsed tool they've already bought. It's hard to make a transition. So now, uh, at the same time though, the help authoring market is really in flux right now and has been for the last couple of years as people have different tools and and there's no really dominant tool out there for people who are, who are evaluating different help authoring tools such as you know RoboHelp Authorit Flare Doctor Help what is it about Doctor Help that makes it different or that makes it stand out more well i think the fact that well there are two things one is as i mentioned you could work in whatever edit, you know, in three different editing environments. And a lot of people are very comfortable working in Microsoft Word, and they can continue doing that. And if they have existing documents that are in Word, they could pull them into Doc to help and just start using them. 
uh, which is, you know, a, you know, a very nice feature. Um, of course, if they like to work in HTML, fine. And also they can, uh, I mentioned our XHTML editor earlier, you can also, uh, we have a converter. So if you have Word documents and you want to convert them into XHTML, you just run it through the converter and you're done. Same thing with HTML documents. Um, the other thing I think is really compelling besides working in the environment you want to work in is you could actually, I hate to use this buzzword, but you could pick your paradigm and, uh, you know, let, let the buzzword bingo begin. But basically, if you want to work in a topic-based authoring environment where you want to author discrete chunks of information and have each topic stand on its own and for rearranging later, you can do that. But also, you could work um, in a document-based environment where you could, you know, be in Word and just write as if you're writing a book and work that way, and then, but still get a very nice online help output and, um, you know, and keep everything together in that sort of uh, book environment. So I, I think that's very compelling to me as a uh, as a help author that I could work uh, the way that I want to work. Yeah. Let- you hit upon a couple of big topics there that I wanted to cover. Let me go back to the the choosing your editor to work in. So I know that in your most latest in your latest release, you have uh, Microsoft style ribbons, and I assume this is to try to make it more user friendly, more comfortable for people to work in. Can you talk a little bit about that interface and maybe why you chose to use that? Well, Doctor Help to. 2008, and then we had the release of 2009 uh, in, within the past few months, has, uh, it does, it has the Microsoft Office 2000 ribbon interface. And uh, basically, yes, we, cho- we chose that interface because we wanted to make Doctahelp very user-friendly. It's a, it's a very, very big change compared to what Doctahelp used to look like. So if someone hasn't looked at Doctahelp in a long time, it it's you know, it's it's completely different than what they had, you know, looked at two years ago. So um yes, the ribbons are ribbons are more intuitive. Uh things are uh you know, we have the dialogue box launchers. It's 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 a it's a very user friendly interface. And uh I, I noticed even with um Office two thousand seven and using Word two thousand seven, it's uh it's much quicker for people to pick up than the older menu style interfaces. Now, about the, the other topic that you were talking about, topic-based authoring and document-based authoring and being able to choose your paradigm. Now, everything that I always hear about best practices says you should use topic-based authoring. Why would somebody want to use document-based authoring? Well, I think a lot of people are still uh, comfortable writing in that style because it's the traditional style of writing a book where... Uh, you know, it's, uh, one one idea flows into another, so to speak, but still makes sense when it is uh, basically. I guess the word I would use is chunked. When when it's divided into topics, it still makes sense in online help. Um, I I don't I don't see any problem working that way. way uh, you know, best practice wise. I mean, the nice thing about working with discrete topic chunks is that you can, um, in Doctahelp, we have a, a documents pane. You could move them around very easily and rearrange. You know, if you say, oh, geez, I decided that, you know, this topic should be before this other topic or I'll, I'll, I'll promote this topic to a higher level than it originally had, that sort of thing. It makes that sort of work a little bit easier. 
but if you're if you're very very comfortable uh you know writing in a book style uh, i think that's okay and the other thing is if you have a lot of existing documentation that's already been written in that style in microsoft word then you could pull it right in and get started so that's another plus a lot of people have a lot of legacy content that they just can't throw out and that's okay so let's talk more about the use of word you said that you could you could author in Microsoft Word uh, and choose which editor you want. How exactly does that work? Do you just open Word and then you ta- does Doctor Help have some kind of toolbar that appears in Word, or how how exactly does the whole Word interface work? Uh, yes, when you install Doctor Help, a Doctor Help ribbon will basically uh, get installed at the same time, and that also happens uh, with. Uh, a couple of HTML editors that we support. A doc to help uh, toolbar gets installed. And so uh, when you're working in Word, it, that ribbon is there, and there are a lot, there are many of the functiona- uh, functionalities of doc to help, such as creating links, creating inline text, um, inserting uh, videos, things like that. That's all on that toolbar. So very easy to use. Uh, you know, the term easy to use. I always have to take that with a grain of salt because I always hear that, right? Easy to use. And, and of course, people want their product to be easy to use and usable and something people can quickly learn. What would you say the learning curve of Dr. Help is compared with other help authoring tools? Hmm. That's an interesting question. I I kind of jumped right into it. I mean, basically, there there are three steps to getting... Uh, one thing I do find that's much quicker than a lot of a, a lot of tools is that there are basically three steps that get you to your output. You basically create a project. If you have existing documents, you could pull them in, or you can create some new documents and start writing, and then you can build your output and see what you have. And then from there on, like basically Doc to Help will, based on the structure you have, it'll create your table of contents for you. It will uh, create some related topics, which I won't explain right now. And if you have glossary items, it'll, it'll, uh, do, it'll do some really cool things with your glossary. And it does that right out of the box. So then you create a build, you see what you have, and you know, evaluate it, and then you can do a lot of customizations. So it does a lot of stuff automatically for you, but you you have the flexibility, you know, once again, of going back and doing a lot of customization and tweaking your table of contents, um, adding your index items, playing with your theme, you know, to, to uh, change what your output looks like. Um, so it, I, I think that that is a, a very uh, compelling reason to try it out. So so it has a lot of built-in automated functionality. Now, here's the part where, where, as a user of help authoring tools, I always get hung up, whether it's Flare, RoboHelp, or some other tool, and I haven't used all the tools out there, right? But it's in the, the I don't want to say marketing phrase, but the idea that you can just output to whatever format you want, and voila, it looks perfect. When I output to Word, for example, as my or PDF as my output format, how much tweaking and, and cleaning up and reformatting might I expect? Well, there it it looks it looks quite good um, because 
basically doc to help instead of you know how traditionally in word you could create manuals and you know add a table of contents add headers and footers you know add an index that sort of thing um doc to help adds the the front matter for you at, at the front uh cover page it you know, puts in the table of contents, puts in the index, adds the glossary, headers and footers, you know, numbers everything for you. That looks very good. Probably the, the main tweaking you need to do is if you want to put some sort of, um, uh, what do I want to say, image on the, on the cover of your book. So you might want to go in and put something in, but you might not. So uh, I would say that would be a major tweak. But everything else is, is, fair, is quite automated. Inside Doctor Help, do you style things with a certain styling language like CSS, or does it have its own styling uh, code, or, or how does it? How do you set the styles for everything? Well, basically, if you are working in HTML or XHTML, you edit your cascading style sheet to change what your out- output looks like. So, uh, Doctor Help two thousand nine does have a nice editing interface which makes it much easier to edit cascading style sheets because that can get pretty complicated. If you're working in Word, uh, then your output is, create, is uh, controlled by your, st- for, by your uh, Word template, your .dot file, or it's a .dot in um, Office 2007. So then you would edit that .dot template file, and that's that's what controls your output. There are a couple of other features here that I really want to hear you hear you explain and describe. One is team authoring source control. This is a this is a huge uh, deal because a lot of times teams have several authors working on the same project. So how does Doctor Help accommodate this? Yes, team authoring is available in Doctor Help Enterprise version, and uh, basically the administrator of the project can upload the file to a server and then give, uh, then others, you know, the other people on the team, as well as the person who was the administrator can download a working copy. And then when they check out of, it's basically, basically a very nice check-in and check-out system. They could check out files, work on them, check them back in. If they create new files, they could upload them themselves and add them to the project. Uh, they could build projects and check out their own work. And, uh, you know, it works very well for a team because you know exactly who che- has what checked out. And, uh, and as, as a person who's, uh, you know, a member of a team, you can, you can just check out what you need, get started without, you know, calling each other and emailing each other. Do you need this file? Do I, I need it? You know, that sort of thing. So, yeah, team authoring support's very nice. So... Can only one author work on the project at a time, or does how does how does that work? No, they could check out. Oh, sorry if I didn't make that clear. They could check out individual files. Oh, I see. So indiv- individual documents in the project. So yes, it's it's down to that granular of a level. So okay, yeah. So many people could be working on the same help project at the same time. It's just they could only and and let's face it, only one person's probably going to be working right on one document at a time, and that would make sense. Yeah. Now, another feature that caught my attention is dynamic help control. And, and I've had conversations with you previously about dynamic help and, and how to deliver that. And my understanding of dynamic help or the, what I'm using this to refer to is a help that basically 
appears based on the location of the user in the interface. So if I click a certain tab, there may be a help pane that automatically shows help for that pane. Is that is that what you mean by dynamic help, or or what exactly is uh, Doctor Help's dynamic help um, capability? Okay. Well, when you're in, uh, actually, this this is sort of a two-part answer. <laughs> when you're looking at Doctor Help 2009, when you're working in it, there is a dynamic help pane on the right, and as you navigate the interface, the help updates uh, according to where your cursor is. So, if you're on our start page, it gives you help on the start page. If you're in the documents pane. Uh, it gives you, the, it displays the help for that. Um, same thing for the tabs and the ribbons. Uh, the help automatically updates. Uh, the same thing when you open dialogues. There's also dynamic help within the dialog boxes. Um, that uh, that project uses from from a uh, from my my side of uh, being a technical communicator. It's uh, it was really cool to create this project because what I did was the online help for the project is the same help file that is used in the dynamic help pane. So it it I had to structure the help so that it would work as a standalone help file. And of course, it's single sourced uh, as a manual. And it also works in the dynamic help windows and as dialog level help. So it was a, a very interesting uh challenge to structure it the correct way so that I could get all this information and use a single help file. Um, the other side to this is this control was actually, you know, at component one uh, develops controls for visualstudio.net and this control was specifically created to be used in doc to help. Um, it was some fun, it was functionality that I thought would be very helpful to uh, help authors and so uh, we talked about it, and the dynamic help control was developed. And the exciting thing was that you know people can actually buy it now because uh, we're making it available to everyone. So if your application is a Visual Studio.NET application and you would like the same kind of help that Doctahelp has, um, you could talk to your developers, and they could integrate this control if they'd like. And the mapping of the help to the interface is very, very easy. The help author or help developer actually does the mapping themselves and then delivers a single XML file to the software developer and that's it. It's it's very, very simple. The software developer doesn't have to keep writing a lot of IDs and context IDs and do a lot of back and forth. It could all be controlled by the uh, technical writer. That That's a pretty cool feature because when I look at my experience using both RoboHelp and Flare, I don't think either of those offered dynamic help in the same way. Um, so I'm curious, can you actually maintain your help file on a separate server independent of the software application that the help appears in with this? Or does it have to be integrated? Like your your help that appears, your dynamic help pane that appears, can the content reside outside of the application and just like be pulled in? Right now, the way it is implemented in Doc to Help is the help file is uh, is delivered with the application. Okay, that's so that is the way it's implemented right now. That that is uh, I can check and see. No, that, that's okay. I was just <laughs> if uh, that sort of functionality can uh, I could see you know the fact that that gives you a continuous a continuous publishing model, which I'm also uh, 
I think is a really cool thing. So I see where you're going with that. So you wrote the you wrote the help for Doctor Help. Am I right in understanding that? Yes. Well, that's cool. Um, one other group of people out there are often neglected in in things, and these are API writers and and other hardcore technical writers. Now you have a Sandcastle plugin that somehow um, assists these kinds of tasks. Can you describe this Sandcastle plugin and tell me what it's about? Uh, yes, Microsoft released uh, Sandcastle. A few, uh, hmm, I'm thinking at this point, I, I don't know if I'll get the date right, but I'm thinking one or two years ago. And we developed, since um, DocToHelp wants to be, you know, a well-rounded tool that that all help authors can use. And, and we don't, definitely don't want to uh, neglect people that need to do API and SDK type reference documentation. Um, we have integrated Sandcastle, and so we have a plugin, and with it, you can uh, create MSDN-style reference documentation. But the really cool thing is, so you could you you could uh, you can do this very easily with DocToHelp, but it doesn't it doesn't kind of end there. What you could do is create your narrative, what we call your narrative. So if you want to write introductory material, if you want to write um, some tutorials. I mean, any kind of information you want to add, you can create that information in DocToHelp also, and then, you know, create links to your reference documentation. So you could make a, a, a fully functioning help file. It's not just pure reference information. You could add a lot of extra information using DocToHelp. And plus, you could, you could link them to each other. You could link your narrative to your reference, your reference to your narrative. And, uh, you know, you know, give a, a very um, well-rounded uh, set of information to to uh, API and SDI developers. Sorry, I meant to say SDK. <laughs> That's okay. Now, another another area that a lot of people, um, or at least I shouldn't generalize, I, I often neglect is Section 508 compliance, uh, people with disabilities. Does Dr. Help have any, any particular... Um, benefit in that arena? Uh, yes, with DocToHelp, you can uh, create Section 508 compliant help. Um, there are places where you could tag your graphics and other elements um, for screen readers. So okay. so, that's, so that's covered. So as long as you do the piece that you need to do, which is documented, you can, uh, you, you can create Section 508 compliant help. No, DITA is something that is... is such a buzzword that it seems like almost every tool vendor out there is trying to incorporate it into their help. Um, what do you guys have any plans to address DITA, or or do you not see that in your roadmap yet? What's your What's your guys's approach to dealing with the DITA um, trend? Well, I mean, you're you're absolutely right, and DITA and structured authoring is is a uh, in R and D. I can't say much more than that right now, but. It, it, we are definitely thinking about it because we're always, you know, looking to the future for what our uh, what our users need. So okay, so at least you've got something in R and D. I guess that's where a lot of people are too. What about what about another booming trend and, and Web two and the the ability for users to interact more with help either by commenting or by rating things or or. Uh, even wikifying help topics. Is there any kind of Web 2.0 discussions? 
those are some other things that are in R&D. There's a lot of different ways you could uh, approach that, as you've mentioned. <laughs> there are wikis, there's commenting, there you know, all sorts of feedback uh, pieces. So uh, pretty much in the, in the same area as, as uh, what I just said about data and structured authoring, we are... Um, we have a, a quite a few things on the roadmap. Um, translation support. Um, we're looking into adding uh, possibly uh, air output. That's another thing people have been talking a lot about. Silverlight output, um, iPhone and mobile device output, that sort of thing. So there's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely an interesting time right now to be a help author in terms of tools, just because. It seems like the web is exploding in all different, in good ways, with advancements. And, and the help authoring tools seem to be struggling with how, do we embrace all of this? Do we choose, uh, I mean, is it useful? Do people want it? You know, and should we incorporate a lot of this stuff? So we've, we've covered a lot of different things about Doc to Help. Overall, what would you say Dr. Help's, one of Dr. Help's biggest strengths is that will appeal to people? I, I really do think it's the flexibility. I think it's the flexibility of being able to choose whatever editor you're comfortable working in, the flexibility that you can convert, inform, either use information you already have right out of the box or convert what you have into XHTML. I think the fact that you can pick the... Uh, whether you want to edit in to in the topic based format or document based uh, I really do think that kind of flexibility and then all the different kinds of outputs you could get I really do think that's the bottom line um, I think I think technical communicators overall uh, really really like to keep their options open and and doc to help lets them do that okay now here's a scarier question <laughs> what, what do you think uh what what is Doctor Help's biggest challenge or biggest weakness that that you guys struggle to try to overcome? Hmm. Probably. Well, my goodness, that is a that is an interesting question. I don't know if there's anything that needs to be overcome. I mean, there's just there's just always so many more things to add. There's so many things going on right now, and it's such an interesting time that I think. The challenge, and I think we're up to it, is just uh, just adding more and more features that our customers need. Actually, that that's a that's an interesting answer because I think this uh, represents a lot of the the challenges that people have just in creating software. That you don't want to put in too many features, right? Because then then the simplicity of the tool gets compromised, and it becomes more and more complex. But at the same time. You you have to uh, keep going down the development roadmap and keep adding the features that people request. How do you uh, balance simplicity with feature feature scope? Well, that's yes, as you said, that's a, a an interesting issue for everyone who is in the software space all of the time. But and and of course, flexibility can make things a, a little more uh, complicated sometimes. But uh, how you balance it, I think I think a lot of that goes into your user interface design is really trying to keep your interface clean and clear and, uh, you know, really looking at that piece of it because as, and then another thing, you know, such as dynamic help where people could just hover over things and get a quick snapshot of where they are and what that little piece does. So I think that makes, uh, 
things easier for the user. And Doctahelp also has, um, and you'll see these in Office 2000 also, uh, super tooltips. So when you hover over uh, buttons on the on the ribbons, you'll you'll get a very large tooltip, not those old kind of tooltips that just tell you what the name of the button is. And I think those help a lot. And I think users uh, need to remember always whatever product they're in, just start hovering over things and just start right clicking and you never know what you'll find. And I, that's the way I explore an interface. And I think that uh, you could just never take for granted, you know, double click on something and you might be surprised by what happens. Yeah. So um, I think that's, you know, I think uh, as, as people who work in software development, you try to make things as clear as you can and uh, and try to make them easy. But I think it's uh, I, I think users do need to just in general with anything they're working in, uh, they you just be amazed what what happens in certain places. Well, well, I like your advice. You know, just try right clicking, try double clicking, hover over buttons. I I find so many people who who just aren't in that mindset at all they feel they're going to break something and they're afraid to explore and but i especially like your dynamic help pain that you have and the fact that you do have tooltips over buttons and things like that i think and you and that you've adopted a friendly interface with the ribbons um it seems like something that wouldn't be too too difficult to to learn and to ramp up on i just have one last question uh nikki and this is a little different question You've been a technical communicator for 14, 15 years, you said. Yes. What is it that that appeals to you about this profession? What do you like about technical writing that has has kept you in this field for, for so long? I, I just think it's incredibly interesting all the time. I think that between analyzing what users need and trying to deliver it the best way you can... I think the the all of the you know the the tools that you work with working with software development teaming with them to uh make the product work better for users I think it's just an incredibly exciting field really I think there's just no end to the uh interesting projects you could work on and the things you could tackle um absolutely we have to provide bottom line documentation, you know, online help, manuals, that sort of thing. But they're just the whole process of doing it is really cool. And also the process of just anal all the all the analysis that you need to do to really make users successful. I agree. I mean for me you hit upon a lot of things that appeal to me about this profession. The the fact that we do have tools that we use that we're in control of our publishing and the layout and how I deliver it. I used to be a copywriter and uh, I could have delivered everything in notepad and people would have been happy. And, and I just love being able to have control over all the, all this, this publishing. I have you know two dozen tools at my fingertips for whatever I'm using. And uh, it's a lot more fun and working with project teams and, and being on the front of tech and, and approaching all these difficult problems that require analysis and assessment beyond just the obvious. I, it is a rich field with a lot of different facets to it. Well, thanks for uh, talking to me today about Dr. Help, Nikki. Is there anything else that we didn't cover that we should have that, that you wanted to, or, or are we good? Oh, I think we've uh, covered quite a bit today. I think it's been a, a great conversation. All right. Thanks, Nikki. You've been listening to Nikki Blyle talk about Dr. Help on Tech Writer Voices. 
To find out more about Dr. Help, go to www.drhelp.com. To contact Nikki, send her an email at nikkib at component1.com. I love to hear your feedback. It's nice to know who's listening, and it's nice to know what value you get out of these podcasts. If you have any topic requests or people who you think would be great to interview, just drop me a line at tom at I'd rather be writing.com or leave a comment on the show notes. 